spend a little family time here. Um, we're going to uh, have someone come up and share, and uh, then we're going to have a baby, uh, some baby dedications right afterward. But I just want to stop for a moment and, um, and talk about how amazing God is and all the blessing that we've seen this summer, how God has truly transformed this campus, not only physically the campus, but the hearts and the minds of the people here and how God is truly impacting people's lives. Just this past week, two people gave their lives to Christ. I mean, there's new people coming constantly, and, and it's because of you. It's because of what God is doing in your hearts, because of the desire you have to see things change in our culture. And one of the things that has changed the summer has been the New to You thrift store. I mean, the, there's a group of people that have invested, I mean, hours of their lives, weeks of their lives, to transform the thrift store into a place that is, uh, is doing ministry, if you will, uh, the last two weeks, we've had more people visit this church from the thrift store in the last two weeks than in all the years, seven or eight years it's been open before that. In the last two weeks, God is truly moving in that place. Ministry is happening in the thrift store, and a lot of other things are happening as well. And I asked Rachel if she would come up uh, and just kind of share what God has been doing uh, through the New to You thrift store over the past couple of weeks. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. You guys are a little bit more awake than last service, so that's good. Um, my name is Rachel Pittman, and I'm currently the Assistant Director for Self-Sustaining Enterprises. And um, before I get started, I want to invite up all of the SSC staff and new to you staff to please come up and join me on the stage. And also, please don't be shy. If you volunteered um, in the past two or three months at new to you and you poured in your time and your sweat and your labor please come up and join us um, we'd like to really recognize you guys um, yes, for the yes. hard work so um, but just to give an idea you guys can see the pictures scrolling um, if you haven't been in new to you received a complete renovation um, new paint cleaning new flooring in certain places new walls I mean just the whole nine yards um, it looks incredible and these wonderful people right here are a small fraction of the people that poured their time and their energy in um, to making this happen. So just to talk a little bit about um, the thrift store, like Jeff said, it's been an incredible ministry. We've been able to um, really pour into the community over the past couple weeks through the staff and the volunteers. Um, we were able to put up an information board that's really reaching out to the community with things going on here in the church and um, as well as internationally. And uh, I know Jeff's going to talk a little bit more about it, but new to you, um, if you guys didn't know, all of the profit from that actually goes to serve um, throughout the world and locally through back-to-back -back ministries. Um, and recently, I actually just got back on Friday. I was in Mazatlan serving with back-to-back, -back, um, and I was actually able to see the implementation of some of the things that we've been giving um, to over the past three months. So that was really, really cool for me to get a chance. And look up on the screen. This does not look exciting. It's just concrete. <laughs> um, but it actually is super exciting because... Um, this is the foundation that we poured this past week for a water filtration system that is going in in one of the children's homes. Um, there's almost 30 kids in this home, and their water is awful. It's, it's horribly dirty. It's causing them to get sick, all kinds of issues. And we were actually able to help be a part of raising the funds to put that in. So, again, doesn't look exciting, but in the next couple weeks, there will be a whole system that will be running into that building and purifying all the water for these kids. So I just, yeah, go ahead and give yourselves. It's, it's very exciting. Um, 
So with that being said, I just wanted to remind you guys today that every time you're in new to you, whether you're shopping or you're volunteering, that is where the money's going. I know sometimes we forget even as a staff through the ups and downs and working um, that we're actually doing this for a reason and a purpose. So we actually wanted to invite you guys next Sunday. Um, we're going to have kind of a preview of our grand opening sale, which will be the following weekend. It's in your bulletin. Um, after church next Sunday from about 11 till 1.30, we will have the doors open at New to You, and we'll all be there, and we'd love to meet you and talk more with you guys about what we're doing, and we'd love for you to come see it because it's an incredible transformation, and um, we just love to see you guys. So please come check us out next week, and um, you know, come volunteer. Come say hi whenever you're around, okay? Thanks so much, guys. Great. Great. Hey, here, here's the deal. I mean, you know, you think, well, we have, why don't we have a thrift store? This is the reason we have a thrift store, to be honest with you, because, um, and it's the reason we started self-sustaining enterprises. And a lot of the resources from the thrift store uh, go to individuals because, again, first and foremost, if you don't have the individuals on the ground, nothing else that you see, all the projects and all the other things, they don't happen. And, and I know, you know, you come to church and, you know, you get asked for money. But you know what? Seriously, I don't know how else are we going to change the, the planet. How else are we going to impact our culture? How else are we going to feed the, the hungry children around the world and impact their lives? And the stories that I could tell you could go on and on for a year, the impacted lives. One, one young man is going to be speaking, and I've talked about him for years, and you cannot miss next week. Rodolfo is coming. He'll be speaking next week. Um, p- please, no sleeping in, no going away. No, it just you have to be here, okay? Get home for Sunday, no matter what. Um, he's a young man. Uh, well, I've, I've talked about him a lot, but you're going to be blessed. But he will show you. He'll be a perfect example of what we're talking about here. The lives of individuals like Stephen Christie going down to Mexico and to see these young people grow up and go to college and transform their lives and their children. For generations, the, the parents would be in an orphanage and then they grow up and have kids and their kids would be in an orphanage. We've cut that. We've cut that, that, that generational poverty. It's happened. We've been able to do that in so many people's lives. So I just want to continue and encourage you. Like, like Dave said, you know, an appeal to many is appeal to none sometimes. And I want to encourage, I would love to have at least six, eight, ten people this morning or this week. Get with Stephen Christie. You can talk to me about it. It doesn't matter. But support them, okay? Above and beyond your regular giving. I know it's a stretch, but you know what? In order to change culture, in order to change lives, in order to impact people's lives, there's a sacrifice, and we're willing to make that sacrifice. And if you want to bring things to the thrift store, you bring things you want to serve there, all of it goes to help these folks. We're trying the best that we can to think outside of the box, to be an innovative church community, if you will, to help impact the lives of people around the world. And we're going to be able to do it. We're doing it already, and it's going to happen even more in the days to come. All right, we're going to be talking about Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. It says this, You were at one time spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were Gentiles without the law. But God has now brought you to life with Christ. God forgave us all our sins. We were once dead But God has brought us to life through Jesus Christ. As I was thinking about this passage and how I could teach it, the idea of zombies came to mind. I have no idea why. (laughs) Zombies are everywhere. Um, In in books and movies, zombies are the living dead. They're They're the living dead. 
They walk around mindlessly trying to destroy the lives of the living. And nowadays they're starting to date in some movies, I think. I haven't seen them, but I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen the previews. So they're starting to date. And I found it amazingly ironic that our culture would try to give meaning and purpose to the dead when Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2 that we live in the world of the spiritually dead. Right now, we live in the world of the spiritually dead. They walk around, they, they go to work, they go to school, they play on sports teams, but they have no, there's a void, if you will, of spiritual truth. They don't, they don't understand spiritual truth. They are not alive in Christ. They cannot grasp the things of God. He says at one time, Paul says at one time, we were all in this state. We were all spiritually dead. But then Christ breathed new life into our dead bodies. When we asked Jesus Christ to come into our hearts, he breathed new life into the spiritually dead. And now we are alive in Jesus Christ. To be spiritually dead in the Bible means to be separated from God. When Adam sinned in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 6, he ushered in death to all of humanity. His choice ushered in death to all of humanity. When we're spiritually dead, we are unable to trust God. We're unable to please God because we are separated from God. So we don't have that that life in us that connects us with him. Jesus repeatedly tells us in his word that we are powerless without him. Without Jesus Christ in our lives, we are spiritually powerless. We cannot please God. In John chapter 15 and verse 5, it says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus Christ living in us, the Holy Spirit living in us, we can do nothing to please God. He also said that if we're spiritually dead, that we cannot have a relationship with him. Jesus said we cannot have a relationship with him unless God the Father enables us. In John chapter 6 and verse 44, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and 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 I will raise him up on the last day. Paul teaches in Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, that our natural minds are hostile toward God. In our natural state, in our sinful state, and you can see this in our culture now. There's not just a a neutrality. There's a hostility because there's a freedom now in many people's minds to be, to allow themselves to, to act out what they felt in their hearts even before. But the Bible says in our natural state, we are hostile toward God. We do not, we choose not, we will not submit to God. We will not submit to God and God's law. And we we cannot in any way, outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, being spiritually dead, we cannot please God. So we live in a world of the spiritually dead. In our fallen state, we are incapable of even understanding the simple truths of God. Incapable of even understanding it unless God begins to work in our hearts. First Corinthians chapter two and verse 14 says the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him. 
And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. When you are spiritually dead, you do not you do not understand the things of the spirit. You cannot really truly comprehend. Yes, cognitively, cognitively, if I tell someone something, they know what I'm saying, but they don't discern it spiritually. They don't understand the breadth and the depth of what you're saying because they are spiritually not in alignment with God. So at some point, each one of us, every single person here, was in this state, was spiritually dead. We were alive physically, But our hearts were dead to God. I think every person here who knows Jesus Christ knows that point in their lives. Some people don't because some people grow up in the church and and sincerely they believed in God and they believe and they continue to believe in God and they've given their lives to Christ. They can't remember an exact date. Some of the strongest people I know grew up in the church and can't remember an exact date they gave their lives to Christ. Christ, they've, they've believed, they've given their lives to him. And, and, but most of us, though, most of us remember mine was, was Memorial Day 1980, where I went from darkness to light. Very vivid. I, I remember that time where I went from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And most of us understand exactly what I'm talking about here. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his, of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God took those who were dead and he brought them to life through his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, now with that as a backdrop, with that as an understanding, why is it, my question this morning to all of us, why is it, That those who are alive in Jesus Christ, okay, once dead but now alive, why is it that those who are alive in Jesus Christ would follow the dead, the spiritually dead? Why would those who are God's remnant choose to chase after zombies, if you will? We need to look at that and really answer that question. Why would the spiritually alive in Christ choose to follow the dead? Over the past few weeks, we've talked about what it means to be a remnant. People who are alive in Jesus Christ, standing for the truth, capable of leading a culture from darkness to light. Why would those people... Be chasing after the spiritually dead. God has called every single one of us who know him to be a light to the world and to help lead others from death to life. To invest in their lives like someone invested in your life, like someone took the time, whether it was a teacher or a pastor or a Bible study leader or a friend or whoever it was, at some point loved you enough to sit down with you and share the love of Jesus Christ with you so that you could be moved from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Why would those who know the truth follow those who don't? Why would those who have the truth hidden in their hearts, placed upon their hearts, who know Christ and the love of Jesus Christ, 
and the life that he offers, why would those who know the truth follow those who don't? Why would those who are alive in Jesus Christ follow those who are unable to even understand the simple truths of God? You say, I want to know what God's will is for my life. Well, I hear that question so much. People struggle with that. Christians struggle with that. You today are sitting here and some of you are saying, you know, I, I still don't really truly understand what God's will is for my life. First off, God's will is that you conform to the image of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Secondarily, there are specific things he may want you to do and you have to seek after him to find out those things. My question is, how can you find out what God has called you to do, has willed you to do, has purposed you to do? How can you find that out if you're following the spiritually dead? Where are the spiritually dead going to lead you? To God's will? To your ultimate purpose in life? To the meaning of all of what we see around us? How are the spiritually dead going to lead you if they don't understand the basic principles of God? Now, you may be thinking, well, they seem to, they, they sound like and they seem to know where, where they're going and what they're doing. Well, my friends, even a dead fish seems like it's swimming when it's floating downstream. Okay? A dead fish can look like it's moving, look like it's going somewhere if it's moving downstream, being carried along by the current. But there, there's, no, there's no purpose in where it's going. There's no meaning. It's just being carried along. It's just, it's just existing and floating. Have you ever gotten into a conversation with someone who has been, if you will, brainwashed by the world? You try to explain some of the simplest truths of them, and, and, and often they'll, they'll just they get so frustrated, they try to bite your head off, pun intended, with the zombie thing. Um, they <laughs> didn't want you to miss that whole little thing there, you know what I'm saying? Really, I mean, you know, you try to just explain something, and sometimes the hostility, sometimes, not all the time. I, say, I sat down with someone this week in my office and led them to Christ, and it was no hostility. A lot of questions, a lot of, you know, I don't understand, but after about two hours, they did understand, and, and they gave their life to Jesus Christ. So, but sometimes there's a hostility because you're sharing, you're sharing truth with someone who doesn't even understand in some ways what you're saying. You see, the problem is with spiritual zombies that they're dead in their sin, and they are powerless to help themselves. A corpse, when the Bible talks about being spiritually dead, it's talking really about a corpse. A corpse has no life in it and can do nothing to help itself. A, a, a person who is lifeless, a corpse, has no life in it and can do nothing for itself. Ever been to a funeral? I've been, I've been, I've said this at a funeral. Ever been to a funeral and heard people say, oh, they look so good. Not, nothing wrong with that. I'm not, not criticizing it. But, the, but they'll say, they'll see the person in the casket and they'll say, man, they look, they look so good. Newsflash. It wasn't, it wasn't the dearly departed that made themselves look that way. Someone came along and put them in nice clothing and put makeup on their face and their hands to hide the appearance of death. They took someone who was now gone and they put makeup on their hands and they put makeup on their face to hide the appearance of death. You ever seen a dead body without makeup on it? I don't know, it, you know, many of you probably have. I have seen many, many people who have died, and before they go through that process, um, they, don't look, they don't look very good. Okay? They, don't, they, don't, they don't look very good because the life, literally, the blood of life is no longer giving pigment 
to their skin. The blood of life that flows through them, the life-giving blood flowing through them no longer gives pigment to their skin. The color of life is gone. Life has left. It has left their bodies. The spiritually dead do the same thing. They do the same thing. They try to cover over the appearance of death. They try to cover it up. You're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, I want to follow this person because this person really looks like they know what they're doing. This person really looks like they've achieved so much. This person really looks like when in reality only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. People are going through life desperately trying to find meaning and purpose by, by doing this and making their way to the top and being the best of this and being the best of that. And at the end of the day, they're, they're spiritually dead. And the most important thing is that they come to know Christ so all the things that they're doing ultimately have meaning and purpose for the kingdom of God as they move the kingdom of God forward. See, what happens is they're trying desperately to find something that is missing in their lives. They run around aimlessly searching for meaning and purpose trying to find fulfillment in some way. They're walking around, they're trying to find it in this job or, or this title or this thing or in money or in something. They're trying to find it. They're aimlessly walking around trying to find meaning and purpose. But in times of quiet reflection, they realize the emptiness and futility of their search. Some of you who have been there know exactly what I'm talking about. You ran around, you're made, you know, you, tr- you climbed the corporate ladder and there's nothing wrong with what I'm saying except if you're doing it outside of a relationship with Christ because then it has no meaning and purpose. It's just kind of you're doing your thing. You're just kind of walking around through life. But you try to find your identity in all these things. But when, you're in, in, when you find yourself in, in, in a quiet spot, you realize the, the, the futility of the search. Why do you think our culture try so desperately to drown the reality of their lives by anesthetizing. Why do you think it? I, I'm one. When I was, when I, up until I was 18 years old, I mean, I, I fall right into that category. I mean, I looked at a life without God and came to the only logical conclusion you can come to. A life without God is completely meaningless. Now, you'll have people now in, in our culture, you know, the old atheists were, were pretty honest, okay? They were honest atheists. Russell and Nietzsche, these were honest. What they basically said is, if there is no God, there is no meaning and purpose to life. The new atheists try to create some, you know, we only live one time, and so we live every day to its fullest, and there's purpose, and there's meaning, blah, 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 blah. Honestly, uh, honestly, if there is no God... Do yourself a favor, think that through, cognitively think that through, and you'll come to one honest conclusion. If you're thinking about it all by yourself in the quietness of your own room, thinking about that, you'll come to one logical conclusion. There is no meaning and purpose to life if there is no God. There is no meaning and purpose if there is no God. So for me, I would basically, once I realized that, once I came to the conclusion that without God, life is meaningless, I drank. For me, I drank. I didn't drink because I wanted to be social. I don't want to drink because it was Miller time. I didn't drink because, oh, 
I drank because I realized that life without Christ was meaningless. Now, I realize there are even people here today walking with Jesus Christ who still struggle with that in that area. Something we all, it's, you know, we all have different struggles. But with the power of God in you, I want to encourage you that you can overcome. You will win the battle. If you stand with Jesus Christ, he will help you overcome. He will help you win that battle. Whatever it is, throw out that whole idea, the whole, the whole alcohol drug idea for a second. Whatever it is in your life that's holding you back, that's holding you down, that's keeping you from becoming the person that God has created you to be, if you continually walk in the light, if you continually walk with the spiritually alive, God will bring you to a place where he'll help you overcome the struggles that you face in your life. See, one of the best ways to awaken the dead is to get them to use the mind that God has given them. I love how the world tells us that they're the intellectual ones and that Christians aren't very intellectual because they, they just they, they hang on to faith. You know one of the best ways to lead someone to Jesus Christ? Get them to think. Get them to think about it. If they're honest and they have the courage, they'll admit that a life without God is a life without purpose. Human beings cannot hardly function if they know there's no meaning, no purpose, no, 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 no joy, no peace, no contentment truly in their lives. They can't function. So it is to your advantage to get into an intellectual conversation with people about what life looks like if there is no God. Because anyone who is intellectually honest will tell you if there is no God, there is no purpose. If there is no God, their lives are as significant as a worm's life. I'm not, I'm not saying that, the, that, that people out there have, you know, they're not significant. They are. They have purpose. They have meaning. But we have to help them awaken spiritually to understand what that is. Help them think through the logic of their own thought process. To help the spiritually dead become spiritually alive, ask them good questions. Get them to use the minds that God has given them. That is to our advantage. It's to our advantage. Don't wait around for people to fire a million questions at you. If they fire questions you don't know the answer, you say, well, you know what? That's a great question. Let me, let me study that and I'll get back to you. But then you start asking some questions. Because when people start using the minds that God has given them, they'll come to the conclusion that without God, there is no meaning, there is no purpose. See, but for most people, they don't even want to go there. They don't even want to go there. They instead find comfort in numbers. They just surround themselves with other, the, other, the other living dead. They just kind of surround themselves aimlessly following the crowd, seldom asking why. They aimlessly follow everyone else from place to place. Oh, let's go out here and do this. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Now, no one stop and think why you have to do this constantly. And let's go over here and do this. They don't want to ever rest their minds. They never want to ask the tough questions. They never want to ask why. They're aimlessly following everyone else and what everyone else is doing. Because once they ask the question, then the Holy Spirit gets involved. And then you got a lot of trouble. All you need to do is start asking some good questions and letting the Holy Spirit speak to the mind that God has created. Everyone knows in their heart that there's a God. You just have to get them thinking about it. Because once they think about it, they begin to realize that there's more to this life than just going out and doing whatever or just reaching for the, the brass ring or whatever it could be. 
that without Christ in your life, those things end up being meaningless. You know, I told you this before, Lee Iacocca, they asked him one time, they said, if you can share with the next generation a really important lesson, what would it be? You know what his answer was? His answer was, when you get to the top, there's nothing there. You know what Lee Iacocca is doing now? He's spending his life trying to end world hunger. That's what he's doing with his life now. Everyone understands a life without God is a life without purpose. When they compare themselves to spiritually dead, when they compare themselves with each other, they conclude that they, they don't look so bad. I don't look so bad. It's only when, they place, when they're placed next to the living that suddenly the appearance of death becomes clearly evident to them. See, no amount of makeup or fancy clothes is going to cover up the appearance of sin and death. So I want to ask you again, why is it that those who are spiritually alive are chasing after the spiritually dead. Our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be a light in the world. Our job is to be a light, to awaken those who are spiritually asleep, to help people go from death to life, not to blend in, not to go along. It is not our responsibility as followers, as the remnant of God, to go along with to blend in with. Ours is to be salt in the world, to be light in the world, to allow other people to see something different, to ask different questions, to get people to think. You think the people you're walking around with at school or at the office every day, when you ask them, how you doing? They say, oh, fine, fine. They smile and they wave, right? Just like we all do. I'm going to tell you something. They smile and wave at you. When they get in my office, it all comes out. The people around you, are, uh, their, their lives are sometimes in shambles. Their marriages are falling apart. Their children are sick. Something's going on that with them personally. They're struggling with their past and what happened to them in their past. And there's no one to talk to. There's no one to talk to. Because they just follow the crowd and the crowd goes out and does its thing. We just say, hey, let's go. It's military. Whatever the case may be, let's keep doing something not to ask the difficult questions. What you need to do is to be a light in their lives and you need to be there so when they have those questions, you can answer those difficult questions and they can see there's something different between the way they're living and the way that you're living. You're not holier than thou. You're just someone who loves them enough to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. Our responsibility is to be a light. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. We are constantly, constantly, constantly being bombarded with lies. And Paul is telling us you need to make sure your foundation is set on Jesus Christ, not some hollow philosophy that you learn wherever you learn it. Look, I know how tempting it is. I know how tempting it is just to go along. You know, there's so much, many more of them than there are of us. And everyone's doing it. Everyone's out, whatever else. But you have to ask yourself another question. If you just go along, to what end? Where is that going to lead you ultimately? For a little bit of pleasure, if you will call it that now, where is that ultimately going to lead you? Proverbs eleven nineteen says this, Truly the righteous attain life, but whoever pursues evil finds death. In 1 John two sixteen, it tells us, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. These things don't come from God. 
In Ephesians 5.11, it reminds us, no, 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 take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. The unfruitful works of darkness, even when people look like they're accomplishing something, only what's done for Christ will last. One of the first things I was ever taught as a, as a baby Christian, only what's done for Christ will last. And we stand before God in heaven. All that this world has accumulated, all the things that you've done, if you haven't done them for Christ, God will snap his fingers. Everything else that you've done will be burnt up around you. And the only thing that will be left for you to stand with is what you did for Jesus Christ on this earth. Everything else is worthless worthless he calls it unfruitful works of darkness worthless we need to understand that we need to grasp that we need to own that my friends we need to be different we need to be se- we need to be separated we need to be set apart for god that's what a remnant is they are different they are set apart our world doesn't need more followers it needs more leaders it needs more people to lead people with a passion for jesus christ and a desire to see other people set free people who are who are not afraid to swim upstream people who are not afraid to speak the truth people who are not afraid to awaken the dead that's what we need to do awaken those who are spiritually dead This culture is crying out for truth. They're crying out for people who will stand up. They will stand up for truth, who will tell the truth, who will lead people to truth. It's time to stop waiting for someone else to do the job that God has called you to do. It is time to stop waiting for someone else to change the culture. God has chosen you. God has called you. Stop giving the responsibility to someone else. So if that's the case, if God has called you to be that person, if God has, is, has created you to be the person who's going to impact culture, then you need to be bold. You need to be strong. You need to be courageous. You need to be more than you thought you were capable of being. You need to do more than you thought you were capable of doing. Stop chasing the dead and following the blind. Instead, lead them. Lead them. They need leaders. You say, I'm not a leader. That's not true. You have influence where you are and where you are at school, where you are at work. You have influence by the person that you are, just by being the person that you are, by sharing the love of Jesus Christ, by expressing in the thrift store. Okay, they're not over there sharing the gospel all the time. I'm sure they they would given the opportunity, but they're showing love and compassion to the customers who come into the store. They're praying with them. If they look discouraged, they're talking to them. They're building relationships and people are saying, what do they have that I don't have? I would like to be a part of that. And they're coming here and God is changing their lives. They're being a light. They're being salt. That's what we need to be. You're a leader just by the fact that you exist and that you're put in a place that God has placed you and he can use you to impact other people's lives. So let God awaken the soul, your soul, and help you break free from the endless futility of this world. If you don't know Christ, that's what it is. My gosh, let God awaken the soul that he's given to you. Let God awaken the person he's created you to be and break free from the endless futility and meaninglessness of this world. Be be part of his family. 
Walk away from the darkness and walk into what God has created you to do and to be. That's what, that's what God calls us. Stop following the crowd and being like everyone else. I love this quote by Max Licato. He said, a man who wants to lead the orchestra must turn his back on the crowd. You want to lead the orchestra? You need to turn your back on the crowd. It is time to sing the song that God has placed in your heart. It is time to fight the battle that God has created you to fight. It is time to lead those who are spiritually dead into the life that God has created for them, the life that awaits them, that Christ has for them. Every single person you interact with who doesn't know Christ is created for so much more than they're doing right now, to become so much more than they are right now. It is our responsibility, wherever we are, with what little we know, to lead them to the life that God has for them, even if you are the very last voice. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. We thank you, Lord God, that you have called us to impact our community. You've called us to transform lives. You've called us to invest in the lives of people around the world, those who are hurting, and people that are hurting right next to us in our own community. The person in this seat right next to you. God, I pray that you would help us to hear the voices of those who are hurting, to not take, oh, it's fine, I'm good at face value, but ask deeper questions, get into deeper conversations, spark the mind, Lord God, that you have given them. You tell us, come, let us reason together. Allow us to help people to reason with you, to ask the right questions, to ask the why questions and the how questions so that they will come to know the Savior who loves them so much, who died for them, Lord God. Allow us to be bold and strong and courageous as you send us out into this world to be a light, to be salt into a world who so desperately needs you. God, make us humble of heart. Don't allow us to be arrogant in in how we present ourselves or you. Let us show humility in everything that we do. Let us show a deep and abiding love to everyone we talk to, even the people we totally disagree with, Lord God. Give us patience and a loving spirit as we share your son with those in this world. I pray that the spiritually dead would come alive, would have the life that you've designed them to live. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week.